Hey everyone, welcome back to Open Arms Podcast. My name is Margaret and I'm so thankful you decided to join me again this week. I've been excited to continue this topic that we started last episode of dreaming again. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it if you haven't already, but I did start the topic of dreaming again by discussing grief and the importance of grieving with hope. And one of the things that I said at the end of the episode is that grief is not the end, it's the beginning. And so that's why I started this discussion with talking about grief and the importance of grieving thoroughly. I know that it feels like the end. It feels like the end of your story. But I think that the analogy of planting something is very helpful when we discuss the topic of starting to dream again. When you think of the process of planting, there's a lot of different stages that go into it, and they're all very important. There's throwing the seed down on the ground. There's watering it. There's giving it time giving it sunlight, and then giving it more time and more water and more sunlight. I think that processing the pain of the past feels a lot like starting over, and it's easy to feel like you're just absolutely lost. But grieving the past is watering the seed. It's actually the beginning of growth, the beginning of a miracle, the beginning of something beautiful. Yes, it requires sunlight, it requires waiting, and it requires believing in God for a miracle. So why is this good news when we're considering dreaming again? This is good news because you don't have to wait for your suffering to end to start dreaming again. That takes us to the story of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph had dreams that his brothers would bow down to him. And then those very brothers stripped him of his robe, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, and then lied to his father about the whole situation. His story continues. He was sold into slavery and taken to Egypt, but then he was bought by Potiphar, who was the general for Pharaoh. And God blessed him with success in Potiphar's house. And Joseph went from being a slave to being the overseer in Potiphar's house. So things started to look really good for Joseph in that context. But then Potiphar's wife falsely accused him and he was thrown into prison. In prison, God blessed him again. And he became in charge of all the prisoners and he made him successful. Joseph in prison interpreted dreams of two prisoners and asked the cupbearer when the cupbearer was released from prison to remember Joseph, but the cupbearer forgot Joseph and two years went by. Then Pharaoh himself had a dream and the cupbearer then remembered Joseph and they called Joseph to come before Pharaoh. Joseph again was blessed with favor by God and he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams And Pharaoh was so pleased that he placed Joseph in power over Egypt, basically second in command under Pharaoh. Joseph then had two sons in Egypt, and he named them Manasseh and Ephraim. And Joseph's brothers came to Egypt because of the famine. It is there that they bowed down to Joseph. And that is exactly what happened in Joseph's dream years prior, that his brothers would bow down to him. 
And the cool thing about Joseph's story is that it was not just about his dream or about his brothers. He ended up saving the whole land and he brought his whole family into Egypt to save them from the famine and his family multiplied in the land of Egypt and God blessed them. When Joseph was thrown into the pit and when Joseph was thrown into prison, I'm sure he thought his dreams were dead, that his story was over. But to dream again, he didn't need to start over. He just needed to keep going. We want to start over after we grieve. We feel like we are starting over, just like Joseph probably felt like he was starting a brand new life over and over again once he became in charge of Potiphar's house. And then again, once he went into prison and became in charge there. And then again, once he entered Pharaoh's house and became second in command, all of those situations felt like brand new beginnings for him, but they were really just part of his story. I also felt like I was starting over again and again and again throughout my situation of separation and divorce and becoming a single mom. I felt like I was starting over when I was living alone as a single mom in my house for a year during our separation. And then I left my job and I moved home and I lived there for a year with my parents and I felt like I was starting over all over again. And then I got a new job and I moved out of my parents' house and I lived in my own house for two years. And that life felt like I was starting all over again. And then I got married and I got a new job and I moved into another house and I felt like my life was starting all over again. The thing is, we don't really dream again. We just keep believing that even when our dreams feel over, our story is still going. And so we must keep going too. And the end of the story will be greater than anything we could have come up with ourselves. People see that I'm remarried now and they call it a happy ending. And maybe people could say that about Joseph when he became in charge of Potiphar's house at the very beginning. Yes, God's favor was on him, but Joseph's story was not over and neither is mine and neither is yours. We need to grieve thoroughly so we can be healthy and whole for the journey ahead. God has big plans for you and you're living them here and now. Isaiah 64, four says, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No one has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. How do I dream again? I keep going and I keep believing in God's plan for me. I let him water his plans for my life with my tears so that my story can become a story of abundant, fruitful life right here in the land of my suffering. God doesn't wait for the pain to go away, to bring growth and to bring beauty and to perform miracles. He just keeps the story going. Facing your pain, crying over the past, and grieving thoroughly is part of living in the land of your suffering. It's part of the growing process, like watering a plant. Your tears have purpose. Your tears are going to produce growth. And that growth is going to produce beauty 
that everyone around you will benefit from and enjoy. And you'll be thanking God so much for the good things that he has done through your story. I mentioned earlier in Joseph's story that in Egypt he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. The significance of those sons is great when we look at the definition of their names. Ephraim means you have made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Manasseh means for God has made me forget all my hardship. So Manasseh in Hebrew sounds like the phrase making to forget. And Ephraim sounds like the phrase making fruitful. And it's interesting to me that Joseph named his sons those two names while he was considering his time in Egypt. That was his time of suffering. That was hard for him. He had left his family. He was in a foreign land. I'm sure he felt very alone and questioned God all the time about what he was doing. Are your plans good for me? How am I supposed to look forward to the future now? He had to grieve losing his mother and his father and his brothers. And he had to start over multiple times. I'm sure he was very confused, maybe just like you feel. But eventually, Joseph's dream came true. And at the end of the story, he was able to see all the things that God was doing and his plan to not only make Joseph's dream come true, but to use Joseph and to place him in leadership at a time where he was needed there the most. And in that place of leadership, the most people would be saved and the most people would be blessed. And so that brings me back to the names that he decided to give his two sons in Egypt. The name Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my hardship. The name Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph's father was Jacob. And at the end of Jacob's life, he wanted to bless Ephraim and Manasseh and call them his very own sons. He was so glad that he was able to see Joseph again, this son whom he loved, who he thought he had lost. And then God blessed him to be able to see his grandsons, and he wanted to bless them. And when he blessed them, he put his right hand on Ephraim, and he put his left hand on Manasseh. And the reason that was significant is because the blessing normally went to the older son. And Manasseh was the older son, yet Jacob chose to put his left hand on Manasseh and his right hand on Ephraim. And Joseph fought it and he disagreed and he switched his hands and said, no, you have, you have it wrong. And Jacob said to Joseph, I know and I understand and Manasseh will be great. He will also become a people, but his younger brother, Ephraim, shall become greater, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. Jacob then put Ephraim before Manasseh, even though Manasseh was the older son. He blessed both, but he placed the greater blessing on the younger son, Ephraim. 
And when I was reading that story years ago, it blessed me so much. And what came to me was this competition between the younger and the older son. And I think that as humans, we care more about forgetting our suffering and we fight for that. And God understands. And like Jacob, he says, I know my son, I know. Yet he gives the greater blessing to making us fruitful in our suffering, not forgetful. We try to switch his hands like Joseph did. And God says to us, I'm still going to take your bad memories away. They still are going to fade. But the greater blessing is in the fruitfulness that's coming from your pain. We want to forget the pain. We want to grieve, close the door, and then start completely over. But God wants to use every part of it. Just like he uses the water and the sunlight and the waiting to produce the miracle of growth. He's saying that the grief is the beginning. The grief is taking you on a journey of healing so that you have the strength to keep going and to keep believing so that you're able to see the beauty that God has in store for your life. When Jesus died on the cross, when he said, Father, it is finished, his story wasn't over. He cried out to heaven and he breathed his last, but that wasn't the end of the story. That was the beginning. God knew all along what he was doing, and it wasn't just to raise Jesus up again, seating him at the right hand of the Father. It was also to save the world. And that is his plan for you and me, to not only resurrect us and bring us up out of our sadness and out of our shame and out of our grief, but to bring other people with us as we comfort them, as we share our hope with them, as we share the gospel with them. He has plans to make us fruitful in the land of our suffering, and that includes other people benefiting from us going through the growth process, the healing process. And then, like Isaiah says, we experience things that we could never have thought up ourselves. God knows what he's doing. He has a good plan for your life. In Genesis, it talks about Joseph comforting his brothers as they apologized to him. And he said, it's fine. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I'm sure he probably thought at times that evil was winning when he was in the pit, when he was in prison, when he was falsely accused. But he didn't give up. He continued to thrive where he was. God gave him favor where he was. And he kept going. And because of that, he was able to see those dreams that God gave him long ago finally come true. And he was able to forgive and to say, it's okay. God was in control. God had good things in store. God is writing a story which is greater than anything that I could dream up for myself. So how do I dream again? After I've lost everything, after I've lost 
my hopes and my dreams with my husband, when I've lost the plans that I had for my family, how do I dream again? You grieve thoroughly, you face the pain, and you let yourself heal, and then you keep going. And you trust that as you keep going, God is working, and he's working out his beautiful plan for your life. And you look forward to discovering God's dreams for your life. And you trust with everything in you that God's dreams for you are better than anything that you could dream up for yourself. And that it will not just include you and your family, but that he will use the pain and he will use the grief and he will use the struggle to produce a beautiful story that brings glory to him and that brings abundant blessing to you and the people around you. So I hope that encourages you. I hope that that inspires you to keep going and to have faith in the goodness of our Lord. I hope that it gives you courage to face your suffering, knowing that God can produce beautiful things in the here and the now, that he is doing something and that all you need to do is wait and never give up and trust in him to do a good work in your life, even through the pain. Thank you so much for joining me. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your questions and maybe even examples of God already making beautiful things come out of your pain as you are pursuing healing. I would love to hear stories of God blessing you so that you can become a blessing to other people and how he's used your story to minister to other people. That's a great feeling to know that your pain wasn't pointless, that your pain was actually part of a beautiful story. The enemy wants you to think that your pain is the end and that your pain is pointless and that your pain is a joke and that this life is a joke. But the truth is, there is great purpose in the plans that God has for you in the plans that are unfolding in this moment. There is great purpose in that and we need to have faith and we need to hang on long enough to see those dreams come true, just like Joseph. So thank you for emailing me. Thank you for giving me your time and attention today. I'll be praying for you and I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you.